stops, launches deep, Jalen Guyton, he's got it! Touchdown Chargers, what a throw! And now, your hosts of the Shock Therapy Podcast, Tyler Lawrence and Zach Alfers. Bro, we're back. Been a couple weeks, uh, what, three weeks since the last pod. So much is going on in the football world. We just got done with OTAs. We're during. We're in mini uh, mandatory mini camp right now. Training camp's right around the corner. And I am super excited about this magazine that you had a chance yeah. to edit you read the whole thing tell me tell me a little bit about the magazine that i wrote what i'm excited i'm excited man i mean lots of good content it was really like reliving the entire season some good some bad especially the last game i i could i could feel it reading your recap just all of the ups and downs that i felt throughout that entire game but throughout the entire season um like i said there was a lot of good um ended on a, a really bad note but um gets you really really excited for what's to come um i think it's a, it's a brilliant glimpse of last season and you did such a good job recapping everything uh you know adding your insight there and i just think from Last seasons to this one, uh, you, you took tremendous steps as an author and as a, you know, a magazine, just laying it out. Uh, I know you were dabbling with your InDesign skills. Uh, I, I just think it's a, a overall a much better product than we put out last year. And I, I can't wait to get it out in front of our listeners and in front of our fans uh, because I know you put a lot of hard work into it. I, I put a lot of focus just to edit it. And um, I'm, I'm really excited with uh, the final product that we came up with. Yeah, man, you go from the very first magazine. I, I don't know if you ever saw the first magazine, the Masterful magazine. I have that, that one too. All of these errors all over. It was terribly written. Uh, it was my first major uh, project as a writer. I go from that into last season, which was a, a big step forward. I did it all in Microsoft Word. Now yeah. that I have been in InDesign, there's no way I could ever go back. And this one, it just it's it's a beautiful visual masterpieces is kind mm -hmm. of what I like to call it because visually it is so much more refreshing uh, with all the the, the, the the photos and everything that I put inside of it. Uh, the design, I, I actually bought a ton of other sports illustrated magazines and, and looked at how they kind of designed the different pages. Um, it looks like a real magazine, like a, like a legit magazine. Cause it, it is, it is, it is, <laughs> it, is I mean, it, it looks, looks like it. That's what it is. It is, but it actually looks like one where the, the ones previously, <laughs> they didn't look like magazines. They were magazines, but this one, I mean, I, I was I was pulling from all kinds of different magazines just to try to, I was going on Pinterest, looking at like yeah. uh, magazine layouts, whatever I could do to find to, to really make this something great for our fans, for our listeners, uh, for everybody, basically. And uh, the PDF, totally free. Uh, that's something I'm doing this year for the first time. I, I'm not trying to make money on these things. I'm really just trying to make my money back. Uh, also, something really, really cool. Sean Merriman is going to be signing 20 copies. Uh, we'll be providing those randomly out to people. You can't just buy a, a copy of this. It's more of just like a, a thank you to, to the people that are supporting me. 
uh, supporting our po podcast. Uh, I'm going to be driving all the way out to Vegas from San Diego to get those signatures uh, here in the next couple of weeks. But I'm stoked, dude, because, I mean, it's part of the reason why we took this time off is so I could focus on finishing the magazine. And I'm just stoked, man. It's, it's a lot of fun. Well, and $16 to get that piece of art with the possibility of getting a, a Sean Merriman Charger Hall of Famer autograph like there's no other there's no cheaper option to get a really cool piece of charger memorabilia and you're helping out you know an up-and-coming podcast so I, get on it listeners if you, you see that haven't Sean already jersey behind no me? i see it hanging it, it's so good looking we well and how did that all come about you know i i saw the just the the, the tweet the, the tweets that you sent me, um, but I'm just curious, and I'm sure some of our listeners are too, how you, you know, uh, brokered that relationship and, and got him to agree to sign 20 copies. Yeah, so I, I've been trying to get copies signed for a couple seasons now. I tried to get Austin Eckler to sign my first copy, didn't happen. I tried to get Justin Herbert last season, that didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> and then I started looking around and I was like, all right, like, Maybe a player that's not like active right now, uh, somebody who likes to give back to his community. And Sean Merriman is is awesome at that. Okay. And I've seen him in the past. People have asked him, hey, can I get a, a, a signature uh, on something? So I reached out to him through Twitter. First, I like I uh, <laughs> I kind of blasted him because I you can't send messages to, to certain verified people if they don't follow you or whatever. So. I blasted it out, and I can't remember who, but one of one of those uh, guys oh, yeah. who purchased my magazine was like, "Hey, uh, Sean, listen to him. You know, he's not your normal fan. Um, I think I'm just a normal fan." But anyways, uh, and he ended up DMing me back, and I was like, "Yes, yes." And I was like, "Yeah." He said, "Like, how many do you want signed?" I was like, "I got 125 copies." Yeah, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess he has a um, a a contract with Panini where he's only allowed to sign so much memorabilia um, kind of on his own. So he said he'd sign 20 copies. Uh, I'm driving, you know, six and a half hours, probably on a holiday week. I'm probably going to go out there 4th of July weekend. I'm going to be sitting in massive traffic. I'm going to be yeah. spending a lot of money in gas with where gas is at today to go and get 20 copies signed. Uh, but I'm super stoked and I'm going to try to keep getting future versions signed. I I'm going to start naming them you know, the addition of whoever signs them. So this is going to be the Merriman edition uh, next year. Who knows? Maybe I'll try to get like a Seam Osgood or another retired player. Uh, and the goal is to to get those players to sign the back of it. I'll, I'll do some sort of visual. There is uh, a Sean Merriman, you know, photo on the back of it. Uh, and that's kind of my goal. That's kind of what I'm hoping to, to do every season. Uh, that assumes that I can get a player to sign every season. But it's really thankful to Sean Merriman, if he's listening, uh, for signing these copies for me. Uh, it, it means a lot to me, man. Uh, so today we're going to be going over kind of a full off-season recap, uh, something yeah. that I don't think that anybody's really done. And there's been so much that has happened this off-season. Uh, and I feel like this is a good, good time to kind of just recap everything that happened. And there was a lot that happened, probably one of the the busiest off seasons I can remember. Uh, so, you know, Chargers season ended nine and eight. Uh, the season ended and the first thing that they did was they went and fired uh, the special teams coordinator, Darius Swinton, and they hired Ryan Ficken to be the special teams coordinator. 
Um, Ryan Ficken, maybe you can tell me a little bit about Kine Nuagwu uh, and just how um, how much improved the Viking special teams was uh, just from from him taking that role last season. Yeah, well, uh, you know, after I think run defense, I think we all know that that was our biggest weakness of last year. Um, after that, especially early on, our special teams was horrid. Um, we got some some answers figured out. Signing Dustin Hopkins really helped solidify the kicking game, which I'm glad we brought him back. We brought in um, Andre Roberts, who really added some juice into the kick return game. Um, unfortunately, he didn't come get get re- re-signed, but we we replaced him with a younger, uh, as you know, impactful player, I think, in DeAndre Robert, who has a little more impact uh, on the receiving end, and we can get into that a little more here later. But besides that, the the coverage team's awful. Our punting situation's still not figured out. But I think, you know, cleaning house in in that phase of the game, um, going for some new blood, bringing in some new philosophy on a team that is ready to win now um, is really impressive and exciting. You know, Ryan Ficken, I think, brings – you know, uh, some reliability completely turned around a, a very bad, a, a very bad special teams unit over in, in Minnesota um, with the, the two years that he's been there. But yeah, Kine Nguanu, tough name to say, but absolutely great kick returner. Um, 32.2 yards per kick return on his name, named first team all pro his rookie season. I, I think Ficken has a lot to do with that. Also, I'm just excited to that we're finally putting some, you know, effort into fixing that unit. It's been really, really bad for us for over a decade now. It's got mass. It, it's taken massive strides last season, um, and, and now I'm hoping that it, it continues to grow with a new coordinator in place. And um, I'm excited to see what Ficking can do with with all of these units, not just one or two. It's four units, and they are significant. I know it's a third phase. We like to forget about it when you look at the offense and defense it can't and just look at teams who compete in the super bowl they have good everything one through three you can't forget any one phase along the way and um i'm excited to see what ficken can do with this unit i do think that you know while while the special teams unit was massively upgraded from the season before because we were like we've been at the bottom like 25 for as long as i can remember it's been a a really really bad um and it, it's all coverage units, right? We've had some juice in the, the return game sure. prior. Um, Andre Roberts had the most uh, kick return yards in the entire NFL last season, but that wasn't the issue. The issue was starting field position, and the Chargers were at the very bottom of the starting field position all season long. Uh, Ty Long was not directionally kicking uh, in, in a way that allowed his kick coverage units to get downfield. Also, we had, I wanted to say, two – blocked punts and a lot of really close calls along the way there as well. Uh, This is all about not just improving the the return and units, but to really get down and cover and field punts and make sure that we're not giving up a lot of those hidden yardage, not starting Justin Herbert, you know, inside his own red zone. Cause that's, that was, that was the major issue all season long. Um, and so the, the goal is to see Ryan Ficken improve the coverage units. And that's ultimately why Darius Swinton was fired, even though 
the Chargers special teams units was somewhat solidified uh, after we made those uh, signings um, in the middle of the season. So um, moving on. Well, so the just, Chargers... just one one little thing I wanted to touch on. Um, I saw today after you know our first day of mandatory mini camp, they have Jalen Guyton out there with the first team Gunners. Um, hasn't played Gunner in his career with the Chargers, but I, I just like being able to put an athletic guy a little further down on the depth chart now that we have Josh Palmer kind of coming into his own. So what do you think You know, Jalen Guyton can provide as a gunner on a, a position that is super valuable for those coverage teams? Well, I think you're automatically looking at Jalen Guyton being your wide receiver four, and wide receiver four is a definite, definite special teamer. Um, we have DeAndre Carter. I think DeAndre Carter has to earn it. I think Jalen Guyton was here. He was already on the depth chart. Preseason depth chart doesn't really matter much. So the fact that he's out there with the first team doesn't mean much right now. Um, we'll see kind of once training camp rolls around. But I think he's going to have an opportunity to return kicks. Uh, as far as the gunner units are concerned, I mean, there's a lot of guys to cycle in there. You look at Bryce Callahan as our you know wide receiver. Uh, sorry, our um, our CB4 potentially. Uh, Michael Davis should probably get some looks out there as well. Uh, we have a lot of corners, a lot of DBs that could play that kind of unit. Overall, I, I think that this is just kind of preliminary, throwing guys yeah. out there, um, getting people comfortable so that, you know, in a pinch, you know, in week 16, 17, and we're, we're hurting with injuries, a guy like Jalen Guyton can come out there and play because he's, you know, taking snaps there in the offseason, uh, even if there's no pads on. I, I think it's all preliminary right now. Sure. Uh, I think they're just trying out different things, seeing, and, you know, going, looking at it here, you can see if a guy can get down there, right? If he can get off um, press, because a lot of times on, on punk coverage units, they're, they're going to get pressed. Can the guy get off press? Can he get out there, stay in his lane? Those are all things that you can find out right now without pads on, right? Well, and I just uh, think it speaks a lot to the depth on this team that we're talking about Michael Davis and Jalen Guyton as, as possibilities at Gunner. Yeah, we haven't seen that. Um, I think I, I don't remember who was our Gunners last season. Um, I saw a lot of guys taking snaps out there. I saw Asante Samuel taking snaps out there. Uh, I saw Keeman Hall out there at, at times. Uh, this is real preliminary. This yeah. is a really deep team, probably the deepest depth chart that I've seen in a long time where a lot of guys that we think are going to make the roster may not even be on the roster on the final 53 may not even make the practice squad. Cause it's deep. You're probably going to see just your, uh, just see your Taylor. Is that the yeah. player that, yeah, we got in the sixth round the corner. He'll probably get some snaps out there. I wouldn't be surprised if Michael Davis sees snaps out there. Um, it, like I said, it's a deep team and we're just now figuring out, you know, who's going to be out there. Uh, the Chargers signed Jamal Davis to a futures contract uh, shortly after they fired uh, Darius Swinton. He was a XFL player, if I do believe. Uh, not a player to make the lock, uh, the roster, uh, not a lock to make the roster by any means, uh, but just added depth uh, as a future potential uh, practice squad player. And then right after that started the extensions. Uh, Mike Williams signed a three-year, $60 million extension. Uh, that makes him the eighth highest paid wide receiver, uh, kind of around that Amari Cooper, Chris Godwin, Brandon Cooks, uh, Keenan Allen, Mark. Uh, Hill's making $30 million a year. 
along with Adams and Hopkins making over 27 million a year. Uh, so looking at the fact that that's 7 million a year saved uh, as the eighth highest paid wide receiver, I think that's well within his, uh, you know, his value. Uh, but I also think that Mike Williams is going to be instrumental to this offense next season. I think he's going to take over the reins as our true wide receiver one, even over Keenan Allen as wow. you know, Allen's getting a little bit older, maybe not being quite as productive, still plenty, plenty productive. But uh, what are your thoughts on, on Mike Williams? Uh, he was our probably most important free agent this off season. Absolutely. I, I know there was a lot of chatter about letting him walk. He wasn't worth the money. Um, the receiver class coming out in the draft was deep which I, I think is is kind of not fair to what Mike Williams did last season. He was phenomenal for us. He was so clutch. When we needed a big play, Mike Williams was there, and he transcended his game to a level we hadn't seen before. He became a, a complete receiver, not just a jump ball threat. That jump ball threat is still there, but he was much more than that. Running routes, we'd never seen him before because he wasn't asked to. Um, he was phenomenal for us, and it took a very strong a strength of ours from last season, which was receiving core, which was our skill players, and it retained that, which I think as a, a team who's close to being to competing at the highest level, you don't want to take strengths and turn them into weaknesses, and it would have absolutely been a weakness for us if we let Mike Williams go. And signing him for what we did, I think we got him a deal. Um, I, I, what We were going to pay him a significant amount of money if we just – if we if we didn't extend him and we ended up extending him, it freed up a lot of money, which really kind of allowed us to go after all of these really big free agents that we would end up going after um, in the, in the upcoming weeks. The most important thing you said was clutch, right? Absolutely. You look at that final game of the season. Uh, he had two of the most important plays in the entire season. The final play obviously to end the half scoring that touchdown sending the game to overtime and then in overtime he had another huge catch and run that set up the field goal attempt uh chargers could have won in that situation right then and there uh, he did drop a a touchdown in the end zone right there kind of a contested grab it was close you were, i remember him saying you know after the game like that was game that was the game it was in my hands but he came through on so many different occasions. I, I'm thinking back to the Browns game. I'm thinking back to the Chiefs game where he scored the the touchdown yeah. in the first matchup there. Like he came through in the most important moments, and keeping that continuity with Justin Herbert, the the entire offense got better, and we were a top five offense last season. So the fact that we got better with continued development from a lot of our young guys, from Josh Palmer, from we're, we, we're going to upgrade our right guard position. Uh, mm -hmm. We'll talk about him in a little bit. Uh, and even Gerald Everett, I think, is going to be an upgrade. I think overall this this offense is going to take a step forward, which is insane to think that this offense can actually still get better. Plus, Justin Herbert's going into another season of development, first time under the same head coach in his entire career. Uh, it's just massive the, the importance it was to bring Mike Williams back. Uh, the Chargers extended Dustin Hopkins after he solidified the kicking unit. Uh, first time we've had a solid kicker in a long, long time. Three years, $9 million. Uh, that makes him the 17th highest paid kicker. So he is very at the middle of the pack, uh, kind of in the same realm as Cairo Santos, Matt Prater, 
Greg Zuerlein and Matt Gay. Uh, the, the value of having a kicker that can hit those uh, from underneath 40 relatively easy, uh, mm-hmm. and then he gives you a 50-50 shot from over 50. That's just massive. He kicks touchbacks. Um, he is a very, very important part of this uh, special teams unit, even if the Chargers are going to go for it on fourth down more often than not. No, solidified. Uh, we needed a kicker. We haven't had a kicker since Kading, and Kading had his own problems. Don't see that happening with Hopkins. He's, he made some game-winning kicks for us, and hope we get to put him in a position this year to you know, send us to the playoffs, send us to the Super Bowl. Um, I hope he's ready for these high-pressure moments because they're undoubtedly coming this season. Yeah, it was just insane the fact that the Washington Commanders let him go. He shouldn't when they have did. been, yeah. That was just insane. Was I'll let you go ahead. Take it. I'll help, go ahead and let you talk about our exclusive rights, free agents, uh, Storm Norton, Jalen Guyton, and Donald Parham. Yeah, three ERFAs we re-signed. I think all in their own ways were were necessary to being brought back. You know, Storm Norton is right now slated as a right tackle. Uh, at that very least, I was hoping to use him as a depth piece because, you know, behind Rayshon Slater, that, that tackle room is very, very slim. You know, there's a lot of talk about bumping filer out there, but I like being able to, you know, keep that continuity on the left side. You're inserting a new piece in, in Zion Johnson at right guard. I know Storm Norton struggled, but there's a lot of talk that he's he's been improving. Trey Pipkins is still there. Um, I'd still like to see another body in there, but he, he Storm Norton was necessary to be brought back at, at the very least as a depth piece, and right now he's, slot, he's slated to play a lot of football for us. Hopefully he gets better. He can't get worse. Um, so I guess that's a good thing. Jalen Guyton, um, Jalen Guyton's also excelling a young player who has a lot of speed. He's getting better. I don't think it, it, it's too early, I think in his career to completely write him off. And so he's going to have a place in this offense. We're talking about him as wide receiver four right now, slated as gunner taking reps out there at gunner. So he's going to be playing some snaps, whether it be on the offense or whether it be on special teams, he's going to be significant for us and Donald Parham um, glad he's coming back he had you know a really rough end to his year so one of the craziest injuries I had ever seen um, just getting knocked out the way he did he was phenomenal for us very clutch well deserving to be brought back um, and I'm excited to with no Jared Cook in, in you know in the rotation behind Gerald Everett Donald Parham is going to get a lot of looks. He's an absolute red zone nightmare and very, very productive with the minimum targets he he, he received last season, and he's just getting better. Um, he's definitely going to be in line for more targets this season, and I'm excited to see what he can do with them. Uh, the Chargers released Brian Bulaga, saving $10 million against the cap on March 15th. Uh, this is right right after the start of free agency. I think it was reported a couple days after, but the, the according to their transaction list, they did it on 315. Uh, Brian Bulaga was probably one of the biggest misses yeah. uh, in the Tom Telesco era. And it's not that his talent was a miss. It was the fact that he just couldn't play. Uh, he played very, very little the first season we signed him. And then last season, I think he had one drive before he got knocked out. Um, he was supposed to be the guy to, to solidify the tackle, right tackle position uh, for the Chargers. Had a really, really, really good career with the Green Bay Packers, blocking for Aaron Rodgers. 
But in the end, uh, I, I guess the injuries just piled up to a point where he just couldn't play through them anymore, had the lower back injury. Uh, it kind of sucks that we never got the chance to, to really uh, see how he could have played. Uh, he is still a free agent. He may end up hanging him up because uh, he just was not healthy enough with two seasons, essentially, of not playing. Um, terrible for the player. Uh, good for the Chargers yeah. because the, the Chargers needed the additional cap space to make the, the next couple of signings that they would uh, when free agency opened up. Uh, right before free agency opened up, though, the Chargers traded a second-round pick and what would eventually become two seventh-round picks after they traded uh, their sixth for two seventh-round picks with the Bears uh, during the draft. Uh, and they signed Khalil Mack, which is probably one of the most exciting uh, trades that we've seen in, in the Tom Telesco era. What does Khalil Mack bring to this defense that is just going to change everything for the Chargers defense? I mean, you're adding, you, you said this is probably one of, and you said the biggest trade in Telesco's era. I, I don't remember a more impactful trade. Um, you know, my entire life watching the Chargers. Like this guy is, you know, a former defensive player of the year, a guy who can impact the game at so many levels, not only because he's a great player, but he brings the right attitude. He's a hard worker. He's a guy that's not, you know, he's willing to mentor younger guys on his team. And I still think this guy has a lot left in the tank. He, he's coming off of, an injury that only saw him play 11 or seven games or seven weeks last, last season. Um, the way I'm looking at it is he's going to be absolutely fresh, ready to prove himself in a new powder blue uniform um, with a under a guy in Brandon Staley, who he's had tremendous success with aligned across the lineup from a guy, a caliber, a guy who he's never played with in Joey Bosa. So those two guys are absolutely going to terrorize quarterbacks when you you have them pass, uh, drop back and pass for to throw the ball. But also, both of those guys are extremely underrated run defenders. And so you, which was another big weakness of us, I think we. But Joey Bosa got after the the quarterback enough, but now it's one of those you know pick your poisons. You're going to commit what you know how many bodies to which side of the line. Now, what are you going to do when we undoubtedly stack them up? Because Joey Bosa can play that DN position. When we put him on the book on the same side, um, offenses are going to have a tough, tough time figuring out what these guys are going to are, are capable of. Um, especially with a creative defensive coordinator, well, head coach, but defensive coordinator. You know, in in the, in the sense that he's calling our defensive plays, he's very creative. And Brandon Staley, he's going to scheme these guys. And I'm just so excited to see Khalil Mack at 52 and Powder Blue um, because we've, we've been talking about, you know, getting Joey Bosa his his Batman or or his, you know, Robin. his Robin to his Batman. I really think we got a Superman and we're forming our own Justice League. Um, this is going to be a terror for for quarterbacks. And if they're not already on our schedule, losing sleep. Um, they they'll definitely be once they some some clips come out of training camp because these guys are, are going to be absolute nightmares lined up next to each other. I love the fact that you brought up the fact that they were going to be potentially playing on the same side because one of the most 
dominant things that we've ever seen as Charger fans was Joey Bosa lined up inside of Melvin Ingram. And yeah. that was back during the Gus Bradley days. And that was just, that was scary to see what, cause Melvin Ingram was at the top of his game at the time. Joey Bosa wasn't even at the top of his game, but I mean, he, he ended up winning rookie of the year that season, uh, defensive rookie of the year. I think that is going to be a chess piece to really watch. And then you're going to see Kyle Van Noy on the opposite mm-hmm. side, um, a really smart and central play roles to talk about here in a minute. But I think the fact that you've got two potential defensive player of the year candidates on either side, this, I honestly believe this might be the most dynamic pass rush duo in the history of the NFL, even if Khalil Mack is a shell of his former self. But he's not that far from removed from having that defensive player of the year type of season from years past. I mean, yes, he's 32 years old, but this guy still looks super healthy, super strong. And it really, like you said, teams are going to have to pick your poison. This whole defense ultimately is the Avengers. It is the Justice League when you break it down at every single level. Um, it really is kind of be really dynamic to see Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack on opposite sides rushing the passer because especially, you know, you get to one hash, uh, you put Joey Bosa on the inside, you put Khalil Mack on the other side, uh, on the outside of him, and you can really close down an entire side of the field, uh, preventing any type of uh, getting outside the pocket and really forcing the, the those quarterbacks that like to scramble to the sideline, to the short side of the sideline, um, really limits the ability for, for quarterbacks to keep the play alive. Uh, the Chargers went and signed uh, Sebastian Joseph Day to a three-year, $24 million contract. He's making $8 million a year. Makes him the 21st highest paid uh, defensive tackle aligned with Ashawn Robinson, Michael Brockers, and Malik Collins. Uh, Special Joseph Day is probably one of the best run defenders in the entire NFL, especially as a a true nose tackle. Had his best season playing under Brandon Staley with the Rams. Um, Has one of the highest uh, run defense, uh, highest run stops. Uh, He is an absolute monster on the interior of that defensive line. Uh, and he's got the size that Brandon Staley wants. He fits the scheme. I think this is a, a really under the radar. Not enough people are talking about this signing because for the Chargers to have the worst run defense in the entire NFL last season, and it really, really made them lose way more games than they should have. It was the the weakness to their defense, and I feel like their interior defensive line is now a strength in the NFL uh, so what, what is Sebastian Joseph Day going to bring to this team that you we were lacking last season? Well, I think you touched on it. I mean, imagine Sebastian Joseph Day, just one play. All we needed him was that final play of the year. He is a run stuffer, true, you know, through, through you know, in every sense of the word, can clog multiple lanes. And he works hard. He's not, he's one of those high motor guys and he's young. We're getting, you're going from, you know, Linville Joseph, who's on the end of his career to a guy who's just scraping the surface of what he's capable of. You said he, how successful he was under Brandon Staley. And now he gets to come back to a guy who understands him, understands how to utilize him correctly. You know, we do not have an Aaron Donald, but I don't think it's necessary when you have, the pass rushers we're talking about, and then his other interior linemen 
or interior D lineman running mate that we're going to get to here in a little bit. I, I, I'm really excited to see what he can do. He can play multiple positions up front, and he's just a gamer. Um, brings a, that attitude that Brandon Staley ha, has been wanting to, you know, has said from the moment he's got here that he's wanted to change. He, he's a culture guy, a high character guy. I think, you know, everybody in the locker room kind of gets along with him. Um, and it's, it's, for one, he's an easygoing guy, but because he, he also plays the right way, whistle to whistle, and I'm excited to see him in powder blue also. I, I think every one of these guys on, on this list are going to be absolute studs, um, especially paired together. They're, one one player is not going to do it. It's the everything. It's the whole puzzle piece, and he's just a piece, but he's going to be a one hell of a puzzle piece. And then you're just talking about Austin Johnson just now, two years, seven, uh, four Year seven million average. He's a twenty-five fifth highest paid uh, defensive tackle. You're talking about pairings. We're talking about Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa on the outside. You're talking about a pairing with uh, Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson there in the middle. And then the next pairing that we're going to talk about: J.C. Jackson with Derwin James and Asante Samuel there. Like you said, this is a pairing. Everything is pairing perfectly. It's just like chef kiss, like. Everything yeah. just flows together so perfectly. Uh, J.C. Jackson, five years, $82.5 million. He is only getting paid $16.5 million a year. He is the ninth highest paid cornerback uh, along with right a lot right there with Byron Jones, Darius Slay, Carlton Davis, and he's better than all three of those players. Steel. We got J.C. on a major, major steal. We've got him for five years, uh, more than likely going to play the four get some sort of contract extension if he plays up to his uh, his ability. Uh, he is going to be a key, key play piece to this defense because the Chargers didn't have a Jalen um, – uh, what's Jalen's last name? Uh, Ramsey. Chargers do not have a true lockdown corner as of right now. The last lockdown corner they had was Casey Hayward. But Casey Hayward was not a man-to-man type of player. He was not a player that got a whole lot of turnovers except for the one year where he had six interceptions. Yeah. Um, J.C. Jackson totally changes the entire dynamic in the in the passing game. And he's a turnover monster, uh, which is just a, a key, key importance to this defense is generating turnovers, which puts you in good field position, which – makes you not even need special teams, right? Because you're, you're totally skipping that phase of the game when you get those turnovers. J.C. Jackson is a baller. Uh, what do you what, – what does J.C. Jackson – what is he going to bring to this defense outside of the interceptions when it comes to just the energy he's going to have with Derwin James? It, beyond all that, it, it's – like you were saying, it allows Staley to do exactly what he's envisioned for his defense. You know, replicating the production of a Jalen Ramsey is very tough, but I think right now, I think those guys are neck and neck with what they're able to do. They He can shadow the best receiver, and he's going to take them completely out of their games. You're taking a look at the receivers that he went, J.C. Jackson went up against last year. They had their worst games of the season and in several seasons when going up against him. He completely takes people out of their game. He is an eraser. Pick your best receiver because he is not having a game. Bench him in fantasy when they're playing against the Chargers because J.C. Jackson is that. He's locked down, and he gets in people's heads. You know, It it only takes a couple of plays for a receiver, even the caliber of Stephon Diggs, uh, Tyreek Hill, you know, the best of the best, 
it only takes them a couple plays snaps lined up across from JC Jackson to realize that they have no shot of being productive because he he's an absolute beast. Uh, the Chargers, after uh, they signed quarterback Chase Daniel to a one-year, $2 million deal, this is, again, bringing that continuity to Justin Herbert. It's all about helping Justin Herbert learn the playbook, get the, the mental side of the part of the game down because he's got all the physical intangibles. And Chase Daniel is that guy to bounce ideas off of, uh, see the game from a different t- angle, um, seeing it through a, a veteran quarterback's presence, uh, and he's got that familiar Joe uh, Lombardi. Uh, I think Chase Daniel is a really, really good signing because it's really, really important for the development and growth right. of Justin Herbert. Uh, the Chargers also signed Christian Covington, re-signed Christian Covington to a one-year, $1.3 million deal. This one left me a little head-scratching a little bit. Like, I, I didn't fully understand, you know, if they're going to clean the house, why wouldn't they fully clean house, especially when I don't think Covington played his best ball last season but I think that you're looking at his size his strength and yeah. the potential of him being lined up around better players on either side of him it should improve his play from what it was last season uh, he is still a young improving player and we love the size of this guy uh, well and I think that's it I think we brought him back because we didn't see his full capabilities. And I think the coaching staff saw enough to realize, yeah, we, we add all of these other pieces around him. Um, he's going to take strides. He, he, he just being the size of him, we really just need him to not get blown back the way he was. And it's hard when you are, you know, lined up against Linville or next to Linval Joseph, who it w- wasn't as productive as we've known him to be throughout his career. And you have Jerry Tillery just running past, everybody and ev- everything that he needs to make contact with. Um, I, I kind of saw Covington kind of, you know, trying to overcompensate a bit. And so when things aren't, you know, when he's not relied on to be, you know, a difference maker, I think you're going to see him, you know, impact the game because he, he now he's what four, five, our fifth best defensive lineman, um, you know, at, and that's, if that's considering, that's throwing into the count that we're not going to see uh, anything from Jerry Tillery. So I, I think he's in a much better place with the talent around him and, and he has nowhere to go, but up right now. And I think the, and I think the coaching staff believes in him and that's why they brought him back. And ultimately I think that when you're around bad players, you're going to play bad. You, when you're around better players on either side of you, it brings out the most of your own abilities because I mean, Brandon Staley said like one of his his key core uh, teaching points is competition, right? Having competition. And when you're competing with a lower crowd, you bring your competition level down a little bit to kind of meet everybody else. With a guy like Sebastian Justin Day, Austin Johnson, who was a second round pick, when you've got two defensive player of the year candidates on on the outside of you, uh, when you bring in a, a, a really, really smart veteran like Kyle Van Noy, we're about to talk about here in just a second. Uh, when you bring all these pieces together, it's going to bring your own game up. It has to because you have to be able to compete and bring your game up to that same level so that you can go and play with the big boys. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. 
If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever worn in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever worn in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. Uh, the Chargers did sign. Um, uh, that, uh, lost my notes here for a second. <laughs> the Chargers did sign Kyle Van Noy to a one-year $2.2 million uh, deal. Uh, Kyle Van Noy is very instinctual, smart player, very cerebral play- player. And he's a guy that you can throw at linebacker in a pinch if you really need to. Uh, he's going to be able to pick up this playbook really quickly without a doubt in my mind. He always had his best seasons with the Patriots under a good coaching staff, had a really, really bad season with Detroit under a bad coaching staff. So I'm expecting him to not play up to the level he did with the Patriots. That would be crazy considering he's much, much older. But I think that he's going to, to be a player's coach also. Uh, he's going to be a, a rotational player. He's not going to play nearly as many snaps as he has in previous seasons. Uh, he could end up being the fourth edge rusher. Uh, I think he's going to play edge. Uh, I know Brandon Staley was talking in his press conference today that he's kind of going to be a positionless player for the Chargers. Yeah. Uh, and what that tells me is they have a plan for him at linebacker, but they also have a plan for him at edge. And I think it's going to be on a game-by-game matchup uh, where he's going to end up playing and where the Chargers need him, whether that's for injury, whether that's for game plan, whatever it is. Um, I I really like the signing because I I think that you need a veteran presence on the defense, uh, a a guy that can help bring everybody forward. Even if he doesn't know the playbook right away, he brings that leadership aspect to it. That's just so important in my eyes. Veteran presence and Super Bowl winner and we added several super bowl previous super bowl champions yeah and it that takes pedigree. a different type uh, it, it, talent will get you so far you you need that yeah you need that mental 
as well. And I think Kyle Vinoy brings a lot of that versatility to play outside, play off ball linebacker when needed. But he he wants to win. He's been at, you know, he's he's tasted the Lombardi trophy. He knows what that feels like. And a guy like him wants to settle for nothing less. I think the biggest thing that that signing told me was we no longer have to overpay for players past their prime. Guys are taking discounts. Kyle Vinoy could have signed somewhere else with his, with his, you know, uh, resume for more than two hundred two point two five million somewhere else. If he wanted to chase a bag, he could have done that. He came here for one reason to compete for a Super Bowl, and I think that tells me a lot about where this Charger team is going. When in the past, we you know we were overpaying for the Brian Balagas. We were overpaying for guys at the end of their career because nobody wanted to come here, so we had to compensate them with money. Now we have something that te- guys want to be a part of, and um, that Kyle Van Noy signing really like hit that. Really, really sold me on that idea that this team is different, different than it ever has been. Uh, the Chargers upgraded their special team units even further when they signed long snapper uh, Josh Harris to a four-year, $5.6 million contract. You don't see long snappers usually signing for more than a year, maybe two. Uh, they kind of bounce from some team to team to team. I think that it's an under-the-radar signing because you're also getting a player who has played in a Super Bowl uh, with the Falcons years back, right? But as I think he was a rookie at the time, um, they signed J.K. Scott from. Uh, he was a free agent last year, but he was a draft pick for the Packers, who just didn't pan out. Uh, a couple more seasons under his belt, uh, probably not the the most important signing in terms of like who was available. There there wasn't very much available out there. Uh, we have no idea if this is going to be an upgrade over Ty Long. Uh, but we needed to, to make a change there because Ty Long was – we we got rid of the long snapper. We got rid of the kicker. We switched three times. We've had three different special teams coordinators. The last remaining piece that we had not yeah. gotten rid of was Ty Long. Um, and so when you look at it overall, we just kind of revamped the entire special teams unit. The only player we ended up really keeping – was Dustin Hopkins after he solidified the kicking game for us. And J.K. Scott, he's a camp leg. I think that there he is going to get some additional competition. I don't know if it's going to be this USC punter that we brought to camp, uh, rookie mini camp. I don't know if we're going to go find somebody else who becomes available uh, as the season progresses, as training camp progresses, as rosters start kind of becoming more solidified. Uh, J.K. Scott's not by any means you know, locked and loaded as the team's punter. Uh, But I think that we are trying something else out. Somebody else knew who was a fairly high draft pick as a fourth round draft pick. So we'll, we'll have to see where that ends up going. And then the chargers also signed tight end Gerald Everett to a two year, $12 million deal. He is a 22nd highest paid tight end around Nick Boyle, Uh, Tyler Conklin, Austin Hooper, Moali Cox. None of those guys are real solid uh, starters and Gerald Everett's going to be our starter. And I think he's a lot more athletic. Why don't you tell me a little bit about Gerald Everett? Yeah. 12 million, two years, 6 million a year, I think is way too low for Everett. And I understand why he, you know, has not really taken those tight end one snap. So he's getting paid tight end two money, but he is so dynamic when you look at the tight end position with the ball in his hand. Um, 
his ability to how many tight ends do you see take jet sweeps you know screens to the house i think is you, you see a little more of that but jet sweeps this guy is dynamite with the ball in his hand with a, a an offense that we have now with lombardi he's gonna find creative ways to get the ball in his hand and that's all you really need with everett he's gonna he's going to be very very interesting um and we don't really need him as a deep threat he can do that too but you have donald parham you have several receivers on this this roster um that can get open downfield so he is just another derwin james type chess piece but on the offensive Maybe not Derwin James caliber, but just the versatility of what he can do. Um, line him out wide, line him up tight, take jet sweeps, throw screens. Um, he's dynamic, and he adds a, a, an element to this offense, um, I think, where we saw it a little bit with Steven Anderson. I thought Steven Anderson was our best yard after catch tight end last season. Uh, doesn't have the the blocking acumen that Anderson has, but I don't think we need that as much with the the – as, as McKitty progresses, um, I'm really excited to see what Gerald Everett can do just because of the highlights that I've seen this guy put up in uh, year in and year out once he's been in the league. He is fun player to watch. He was always much better with Russell Wilson at quarterback. Right. Uh, he kind of got stuck with Jared Goff there with Seattle. I think this is going to be the first time he's going to have like a legit quarterback for a full season. And I think they – the Chargers got a legitimate receiving threat to pair with Donald Parham. And then you got yeah. your inline blocker there with Trey McKitty. I really like the signing. I think it's an under the radar signing because he is going to be our tight end one. Uh, and I think that he's going to take a, that step forward. Statistically, he just hasn't always had it there, but I mean, different type of offense, uh, different type of quarterback uh, and all the room for growth. Uh, the Chargers also signed Troy reader, uh, will clap, and Morgan Fox, uh, all to deals right around a million dollars. Troy Reader was there to provide some sort of depth, uh, especially after Kenneth Murray's uh, surgery, kind of late off-season surgery occurred. They do think that Kenneth Murray is going to be available for training camp. Uh, I know that he is out of his boot. He is walking uh, kind of on you know, 40 60% body weight right now, which is good news, so he's progressing pretty well. They did say that his – uh, surgery was a success. They do not expect any type of complications. Uh, then the Chargers also signed DeAndre Carter to eventually uh, become the Chargers kick returner, punt returner. I know that uh, he may not be at the top of the depth chart. We already talked about that earlier. I think that's kind of like a, uh, a preseason kind of seeing what Jalen Guyton can provide there. I fully expect DeAndre Carter to be our full-time punt returner, kick returner. And then Bryce Callahan, one year, 1.3 That is a huge, huge deal for one of the top slot corners in the NFL over the last couple of seasons. I know injuries piled up, which is a major reason why he was not brought back to Denver, why he was not a pretty highly touted free agent this offseason. But this guy is a baller. I think he's going to be our starter in the slot. I think Asante Samuel is going to get pushed back out. And Michael Davis is going to be our CB4 playing on the outside because I really think that Bryce Callahan is healthy and we know that Brandon Saley is going to emphasize the health of this team during training camp. I think if Bryce Callahan is healthy, uh, we are going to potentially get a Pro Bowl caliber season out of him because he's a baller in the slot. Uh, anything you want to talk about with those five players I just mentioned? 
Yeah. Um, but I guess I'll, I'll just finish it off with Bryce Callahan. I, I think to, to me, I think the most important thing about that signing is it's going to allow Staley to play his three to be, four best DBs at any given time. And so it gives you that flexibility to not have to put um, Asante in the slot if you don't want to. If the if the matchup requires it, we definitely can with Michael Davis able to play outside. And, I mean, so it gives you a lot of flexibility. You have a lot of players now that can play in the slot. Derwin James thrives there. Mark Webb is, is getting – becoming a player who can play in the slot. So it gives you a lot of options to mix and match. Um, I think it's going to be another one of those Kyle Vinoy chess pieces that changes week to week. But to give a, a guy who who is as smart and sees things the way Brandon Staley does, another DB who he's also had success playing with, um, I, I just think adds another element, which is just going to make this entire team, it, it's top to bottom. You, you're not going to know what to expect. Um, from this Charger team, and it's going to change, I think, quarter to quarter, week to week. And I, I'm really excited to see what Bryce Callahan can do for us um, when he does play it because I, I do think, uh, yeah, he's he, he's another player that had an off year that is just going to thrive in a new system, a change of scenery, surrounded by talent that he hasn't seen in a very long time. You know, when I'm looking at our DBs there playing in the slot, playing outside. I look at a team like like the Dolphins that we're going to play this season, right, where they have Jalen uh, Waddle and they also have Tyreek Hill, two smaller, fast slot-type players who are going to be the emphasis of that offense. And I see Bryce Callahan playing a major role in a game like that, whereas Colts kind of toward the end of the season where they have, you know, Alec Pierce, Michael uh, Pittman, Michael Strachan, all these guys that are 6'4", 6'5", where you might want Michael Davis on the field covering those outside corners more often. I think it's going to come on a case-by-case basis depending on who we're playing because if you're playing big receivers, uh, a a team that, you know, kind of emphasizes size, uh, playing more on the outside, taking those deep shots versus playing a team like the Dolphins who have some of those slots smaller, quicker slot uh, wide receivers, you know, get the ball out of your hands, doing a lot of screens, a lot, a lot of those things, types of things. I think that that's kind of the perfect example as to when you'll see Bryce Callahan on the field versus Michael Davis and when you'll see, you know, the, the flip side of that. I think if you want a player who can go run deep, has that speed and size, I think you definitely want Michael Davis out on the field more often than uh, than you'll, I mean, it makes a lot of sense just looking at the size and matchups that you're going to end up seeing uh, as the season progresses. So it's, it's a case by case basis, right? Yeah. Uh, Moving on to the NFL draft. So the Chargers signed, uh, drafted in the first round, Zion Johnson. Zion Johnson is an under the radar. I, I know when I was at SoFi Stadium, when we ended up picking him, a lot of, it's not a sexy pick, right? It's an offensive no. guard, but it is the best interior offensive guard in this class, in my opinion, and most people's opinion. Zion Johnson is going to totally transform the Chargers' run and pass uh, his ability to just do all those little things that you want him to do. Go ahead and tell me why is Zion Johnson was the right pick for the Chargers at 17. It was necessary. I mean, we, we our left side of the line – very nice. Right side of the line was a the weakest part of our offense last year, and we got 
a steal the fact that he was there. The fact that he wasn't the first guard taken, um, I think, was just a mistake by, I, I forget which team took another guard, and the other guard is fine, but Zion Johnson is just, I think, you know, a, a an absolute monster. Um, and he's going to, like you said, impact both phases of the game. And he's a really cool guy. I was excited to, you know, hear him. He's in. a nerd. He's such he's, a nerd. Call him a nerd. It, it, he, he definitely is nerdy. I mean, but I, I just, I like it. He's unique, right? He's not, you know, uh, afraid to speak his mind. And, and even though he's different, he's, he's okay with that. He embraces that. And then on the field, you know, all of that switches. Um, he's a, one of those guys who is out there to perfect his craft. He's not going to, he's going to overwork. If you tell him um, to, to go home, he's probably going to go home and, and be similar to Rayshon Slater, where I think he's always, he's going to be like a, a guy who takes pass sets on, on a cruise ship. Um, and I think you, you need these guys. You need these guys. If you want to compete at the top level. Um, I, I know that, you know, we, there was several other players available, that you know, Chargers fans were kind of hooting for, but to be able to give Justin Herbert even more time to be the phenomenal uh, thrower of the football that he is it is going to, and also on top of that, pave ways for the run game. Last year, it was Justin Herbert snapped the ball, kind of hide on the left side of the line because that right side of the line was just getting torn up and now and we could not run the ball to save our lives on the right side so Zion Johnson does a lot to help that we're going to need some help from that right tackle but I think a, a guy with the pedigree of Johnson's um, with, with the talent of Johnson I think it's going to help Storm Norton significantly or whoever uh, plays tackle out there I, I think it's we keep saying Storm Norton I don't think it's gonna be Storm Norton this season I think this is Trey Pipkin's season right here right now contract year Third round draft pick, working with uh, uh, Duke Mannyweather. This let's just speak it into existence now. Like our starting offensive tackle is going to be, uh, I'm already forgetting his name. I just said his name. Trey, Trey Pipkins. Pipkins. It's gonna be Trey Pipkins. It's gonna be Trey Pipkins, right? He's taking that step forward. He's got the pedigree. I'm ready for it. The Chargers drafted uh, JT Woods in the third round, uh, safety out of Baylor. I think that the biggest takeaway from, from JT Woods is, one, he's a turnover machine, mm-hmm. has a, a ton of interceptions over the last couple of seasons, uh, and he allows Derwin James to come into the box. He allows Nasir Adderley in certain sets to come into the box, and he is a very rangy, very fast safety who can play sideline to sideline. He has some issues with his tackling, with his fundamentals, I can't be worse than what Nasir Adderley has been the last couple of seasons in that kind of realm. And I think that he's going to see a significant role on this defense, even in a defense that is loaded with players up and down the depth chart on every position. I think JT Woods fits the scheme very, very well. He's a young, multiple player. And I think that he's going to play a massive, massive role. And he's going to be one of those players that's kind of a sleeper to be one of those uh, rookie candidates, like rookie of the year type of candidates for the Chargers, just based off of where he finds himself in this role. And a, and a true center fielder, you talk about all of these DBs we have on this team. He brings a little, 
he he's the only one that can play. Like if we were still in the Gus Bradley system, I don't trust you know um, Nasir Adderley as you know the single high. Uh, and that's what Nasir get... Adderley was supposed to be, right? Like Nasir right. Adderley was supposed to be that true center fielder, that true free safety, that cover three safety, who just never hasn't panned out. Played much much better last season, toward the back half of the season, rookie year kind of knocked off uh, due to the injury. Right. Uh, true center fielder in the Gus Bradley scheme did not work out well for him. Last year under Brandon Staley, started taking a lot of strides, especially kind of deeper into the season. The game that comes to mind to me is the Texans game where he drilled the uh, – I forget who threw it, but uh, they they ran a reverse, a, um, a Philly special, and he drilled whoever it was that was throwing that Philly special. Uh, that was the Broncos game. It was going to Drew Locke, actually. Uh, you just saw him really take massive strides forward. He's going to be a free agent next season. Depending on how JT Woods plays this year, I don't think Nasir Adderley may be coming back. It's possible. And, and I mean, JT Woods is take, is starting this offseason off really hot. I know he had an interception today um, in, in the red zone phase of practice. And so, you know, starting, starting his pro career – doing exactly what he did in in college, which was pick off a lot of passes. So excited to see what he can do. Do you see Isaiah Spiller being the Melvin Gordon to the Austin Eckler in this offense? It, it, it's going to be I, – I see where you're – well, I think it's going to be yes and no. So I, I think he has the the size. He has a similar running style. But I think the only reason I say why I say no is because Austin Eckler was, you know, the RB2 to Melvin Gordon's one, right? And I think it's significantly switched because of how dynamic Eckler and, and the strides he's Eckler has taken the last couple of seasons. But I do think with Spiller's, you know, physicality being that size, it's going to take out, you know, a lot of wind, um, in the defense to tackle a guy like that. And when you got a guy, the best charger to ever play in LaDainian Tomlinson, uh, one of the greatest running backs of all time, talking about Isaiah Spiller, that he's already a fan, hasn't met the guy, but is really excited for Spiller. That should get you excited too. I mean, Tomlinson knows what he's talking about. He's not a guy to just say things to say things. And I'm really excited to see what Spiller can do at the very least just being able just being confident to give Austin Eckler a break um I think we utilized him leaned on him a little too much you know you saw him even after week four or five um get tripped up on some some shoestring tackles that when he was RB2 to Melvin Gordon uh was running right through those taking them to the house I, I think we got you know put a lot of miles on Austin Eckler last season at the the very least, Austin Isaiah Spiller gives the offense a chance to just give him a break, and I think he's going to do more than that. I think he's going to be one of the more productive RB twos we see in the league um, because I think he's that capable. Also, a guy who can, and then and he's also a guy who's going to be able to impact the receiving game. I, I really like, I really hope Larry Roundtree or Joshua Kelly 
can figure it out and be a legit RB3. But neither of those guys catch the football very well at the NFL level. Um, And I don't see the same thing happening for Isaiah Spiller. He's just a little different in in that facet of the game. Oops. I really like Isaiah Spiller. I've kind of come around on him. He wasn't my favorite running, one of my favorite running backs in this class, right? But the more I watched him, it's just his style of play is different than what I kind of like. Uh, He's a player that has size and power, but he's also somewhat agile. He can make guys miss in the open field. He can run through guys. Uh, And I really think that Isaiah Spiller is going to be coming into his own. I think that he's a good complement to – that's kind of what I see in him. Like I I see some of the power Melvin Gordon had, that strong running through tackles, uh, not going down on first contact, maybe not making guys miss. I think Isaiah Spiller has a little bit more of that, being able to make guys miss. And as I, I actually went and compared some of their uh, the Wisconsin tape to the Texas A&M tape, uh, kind of looking at what Melvin made Melvin Gordon good in college, uh, I think that Isaiah Spiller is better as a college player than Melvin Gordon was. Uh, I think that one of the things that you take away from it is I think that Wisconsin had a really, really good offensive line. And I think Texas A&M had Kenyon Green, and that was about it. So I, I, when I look at the two players, I mean, Isaiah Spiller was more productive season over season over season, having over 1,000 yards in all every season he, he was playing there. And he was a starter as a true freshman. Now, granted, Melvin Gordon was competing against Damian Harris. He was competing against James White there. Uh, he, he had a lot of guys that he was playing there with, so he didn't get the opportunity to start right away where Isaiah Spiller did. But I, I really think that Isaiah Spiller is going to play a massive role in this offense uh, as the change of pace back. I think he's going to finish. He could potentially finish with more overall carries, maybe not more touches than Austin Eckler, but more true rushing carries than Austin Eckler does. Because I think that Austin Eckler is going to be used more as a scat back because that's what he should be. That's what he – Austin Eckler is at his best in space. So a lot yeah. of screens, you know, a lot of uh, checkdowns. Uh, he's going to he's gonna get carries because he's earned the carries for sure. But I think Isaiah Spiller's the better true running back just in terms of just downhill, one cut and go. And I, I think he's going to impress a lot of people. The more that I watch him, the more that I like him. Uh, the Chargers drafted Otito Ogbonia. Uh, in the fifth round, nose tackle at UCLA. He, this is one of your guys. Tell me a little bit about uh, Akbonia. I'm I'm excited for Otito. I don't know where he kind of fits in on this depth chart, but a uh, big run stuffing nose tackle, uh, which we could have utilized tremendously last season. And I think it's just another depth piece to help fix what was our Achilles heel last year, which is our run defense. And so... Uh, another guy who just doesn't give up. I think he he's very raw, and I said it when we were looking at D-tackles. I think he's a guy who isn't going to impact the game right away, but we don't really need him to given the other guys we've added to that room and you know the, the guys in Christian Covington and Jerry Tillery that are also in that room who we're expecting to be better. I think he's going to have a very tough time making the final roster, He's also going to be competing with guys like Braden Fajoko and Forrest, Forrest Merrill, who have been here uh, for a little bit, so I have a little more familiarity. But, you know, they th- this team drafted him in the fifth round for a reason. I think he adds 
something that this team's been missing. Um, high motor guy, he's going to stuff stuff lanes, and so I'm I'm excited to see what he can do. I, I really think he might be a practice squad stash for this season, but I don't think it's a, a knock against him. I think it's you're you're shaking your head. You think he's playing? I don't think he's playing. I think he's making the roster, and I think he's bumping uh, Braden Fajoko out. So yeah. I think if Braden Fajoko has been here for a couple seasons, I think that the fact that they spent draft capital as a practice squad stash, as a fifth-round draft pick, he's going to get picked up. Somebody's going to pick him up, somebody who's who's lacking depth on the defensive line. And I think Braden Fajoko is more likely to be able to be stashed and not picked up. Um, That's fair. I think, I think the fact that you used a draft pick to get a Tito means that you see enough in him, and I think that they're looking at the size, and I think that they want size he's on the defensive line. He's, 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 he's much bigger than Brain Fajoko. Maybe not quite as strong, but he's got the size that, that Staley's looking for. He fits kind of the scheme, the mold of the type of defensive lineman that the Chargers want. I think Brain Fajoko is on the chopping block. Uh I think he's going to really struggle. I know he's a fan favorite. Uh, you know, I, I like Fajoko as well. Um, it's not always about the best 53. It's about the right 53. Mm. And ultimately, when you spent a, a fifth-round draft pick on a Tito, uh, I think that you kind of played your hand there and you said, hey, you know, this is – I'm all in on this guy. We're going to – they have to keep him on the roster. The fifth-round draft pick, they have to keep him on the roster. I just don't know how they don't, right? Like, it's just one of those things where it's a high enough draft pick where I feel like he has to make the roster. He has to. I think just you're right. If he doesn't, somebody is going to cut a, a, a Braden Fajoko on their roster to make room for him. Yeah. Well, and then, but, but besides, if he makes the roster, I think you're, I think you're right where he has to make the roster. I just don't see him really playing much um, outside of, you know, like, kick block and no i don't think he's gonna play at all and i think we have the depth there uh i think that the one sleeper thing that could potentially happen that would be a little bit crazy is we cut jerry tillery that and that's not so that's not wild at all that's like no that's really plausible um i think jerry tillery starting to come into his own uh he has improved from his rookie season but he is still a bad player and I don't like saying that, but it's true. He's a bad player. He's just not very good. You can say, oh, yeah, he wasn't at, you know, um, OTAs until the very end. I don't think that really matters. It's OTAs. It's It, it, it shouldn't matter at all as a, a player who's already played in the scheme. You're just going through walkthroughs at OTAs. OTAs isn't about you're on field. It's about you being in the gym. That's And I'm not saying that he wasn't in the gym. I just don't think Jerry Tillery has a future on this team. And if he doesn't have a future, then that's the player you're going to cut, right? Are you really going to lose that much? Is Bra- is he better than Braden Fajoko? I don't think so, actually. Honestly, I really don't. Um, Jerry Tillery's best ability is his pass rush ability, and he doesn't have the pressures to back it up. He, If he was like a fourth-round draft pick, I'd be like, okay, you know, like – you got what you were expecting from a fourth or fifth round draft pick, but he was a first yeah. round draft pick. So I'm but, literally yeah. looking around trying to get a seventh or, or sixth round draft pick for a guy like this. Cause I don't think that he 
we have room for him to play significant snaps. And as a first round draft pick, you have to have him play significant snaps. You have to develop him. And right now he is at least third on the depth chart behind uh, Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson. Uh, Morgan Fox potentially going to beat him out. And then you start looking at some of these other guys like Atito, who's a true nose tackle, not going to be a pass rusher. Brain Fajoko, uh, a run stuffer, not a pass rusher. The only place that Jerry Tillery has on here is his ability to, to rush a passer. I know he had like five sacks last season. Uh, that's not indicative of his pressures, though, because his pressures are down. He was one of the worst pass rushers in the NFL last season still, and that's his what, what makes him good. So where right. does he fit? on this defense. I just don't see it. The fit I would be looking at trying to, it's even better for the player to, to get a fresh start somewhere else. It's, it's better for the player. It's better for the team. Uh, the, the outlook of the team, you know, who's going to be on this roster next season. It's not going to be Jerry Tillery. I don't care. Even if he has a, a, a decent season, I don't see his fit as the big body type of player that you want there. He's not the, He doesn't have very much definition to his frame. He's tall and he's athletic. I'll give him, he is athletic, but he is not a good player through and through. And maybe he just needs that fresh start somewhere else. I just don't see Jerry Taylor making the roster. The Chargers drafted, uh, I'll kind of skip through these last couple guys a, a little bit quickly just for the sake of time. Uh, Jamari Salyer from Georgia, offensive guard. I think there is a, a path toward Jamari Salyer finding a starting position in the next couple of seasons, whether that's, you know, Matt Filer next season. Matt Filer is going to be a free agent in in year after next. He signed a three-year contract last season, played last season. He'll play this season. Next year, if Jamari Salyer has the type of um, – mini camp that we're expecting him to have. We thought that he was a value steal type of player. Um, Jasir Taylor and Dean Leonard, uh, cornerbacks drafted in the sixth and seventh round. I think these guys are going to have a hard time making the final 53. Uh, One of them, I think potentially could make it. I think it's really a battle for one spot. The Chargers keep six DBs. Xander Horvath has a legit chance to be the Chargers uh, fullback to make the final 53-man roster because, honestly, Gabe Neighbors has not panned out very well. I know he's a very athletic, H-back type of player. I don't see him as a tight end. I don't see him as a true fullback. I see him more kind of in that, you know, fullback pass-catching role. But if that's where you're placing him, I think Xander Horvath is a better type of player in that kind of uh, role. One of those is is, is – there, there is a path for all four, three of those players to make the roster. Jasir, Leonard, Horvath, Sawyer's making the roster without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, whether or not uh, it's Jasir or Leonard making the final 53 to be seen and whether or not it's um, Gabe Neighbors or Xander Horvath, uh, that's going to be a really tight camp battle to watch. I really, I want Xander to make this roster. And even if he can't block, I don't think we need him to be able to pave the way as, as, as that much. I think he's got, more physical than Gabe Neighbors anyway, so he should be a better bigger, blocker He's faster. I think he's more dynamic in the run and the pass game. I think he deserves a chance because uh, Neighbors is, besides being good friends with Justin Herbert, 
I think that is, and maybe be, and being a good grill mate, that's really all Neighbors has provided. Um, and so I think it's- I bet a, you he a good brisket. That's about it. <laughs> I think he bases the brisket. I don't think he even helps besides that. I think I think Herbert does all of the work, and then every every he half hour he walks out. Duty. Every yeah, half hour he walks out with a, a, a apple cider vinegar and sprays <laughs> the brisket. I think he's basting. I think that's all he's doing. He's basting, and you know, you know, leaving uh, shopping carts at the end of the. Uh, parking lot for uh, Herbert to get angry about. I don't know what else Neighbors is doing. Um, I think it's time for new blood, and Xander Horvath is an absolute athlete. The things that that guy can do at his size are impressive, and I think he deserves a shot. Yeah, I, I think Xander is the guy to make it. To close off this podcast, we're going to talk about some of our offensive-defensive departures. We're not going to go real in-depth because I don't think it really matters. But offensive departures – Justin Jackson's not going to make this uh, be here with us. KJ Hill left in the middle of the season last year. Jared Cook, uh, Steven Anderson, uh, guard Michael Schofield. Odea Bushi said his farewells just a, a week or two ago. And then Scott Quisenberry on the defensive side of the ball. Linval Joseph won't be back. Justin Jones is with the Bears. Uchenna Nwosu is going to be playing for the Seahawks. Kaiser White, probably the, the biggest, most painful player to see go away. He's going to be an eagle. Uh, Chris Harris Jr. is a free agent. And then Ty Long, uh, we'll see if he even catches on anywhere. That is the the all the players that will not be part of the 2022 Chargers, uh, Los Angeles Chargers roster. Uh, I don't have anything else. I'll let you close this out, Zach. Uh, I'm closing it out with um, my Warriors are going to win their – Fourth fine, their fourth, their fifth championship in the last eight years. Tomorrow it happens. You heard it here Manny, first. I'll, I'll you close that out with that. Manny Machado just hit his fifteenth hundred uh, hit. That's if you're sweet. A, if you're I'm also a, if you're a Pods a, fan, if you're a Padres fan, we got some Padres news. If you're a Warriors fan, there is your Warriors news. Uh, let's <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. Uh, uh, we see uh, the Warriors. Man, the last thing I want to say before we get into it is uh, 30 did not have the best game, the, the, the final game. That no, was, um, and they still won. Well, that's, yeah. The, all that means is he's due to drop 50 tomorrow. And I'm really, I'm expecting an absolute dynamite game from Curry. You can't. Even as great as he is, he's due an off game every once in a while. Um, if Not I, in the finals. They still I mean, won, he's so averaging, it doesn't matter. He's still averaging 30 points. He's dropped 40 twice this season in, in these finals. Um, that was his worst game. And credit to the the Celtics. They, play, they have been playing tremendous defense. But I think all that means to me is he's going to have a 45 to 50-point game they're, tomorrow. Uh, they're – Three and two right now, right? So tomorrow they win. It's it's done and over with, right? One more game. Whether it comes today or whether it comes tomorrow or in game seven, I hope it doesn't get to that point. Um, I, I think we close it out tomorrow. I think the momentum's on our I side. Hope it goes I, to game seven because I like, I like seeing a game seven. Everyone hopes it goes to a game seven. but Win, uh, win, win and go home. No, I, I'm closing it win. out 50 points from Curry tomorrow. 
All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Be sure to buy your copy of the Shock Therapy magazine. You can contact me at LAC Shock Therapy or LAC Master Bowl or Zach Alfers. I don't care. Buy your copy. Your Support choice. small business. I don't, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I, I do care because I spent a lot of money to print these, so I need to make my money back. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Sorry it took so long. Over and out. And now, your hosts of the Shock Therapy Podcast, Tyler Lawrence and Zach Alfers.